reasons which will become apparent at some point in the next three hours. It's a long one today. Hope you packed a lunch. Um, we, we're doing this new sermon series uh, called Why Do We Blank? Um, sometimes, you know, we take it for granted that we come to a church uh, or maybe you, you've ne- and do things and you've just always done them and maybe never really considered or reflected on why we do the things that we do. Or perhaps you're new to this whole thing and some of it seems kind of strange. Uh, so we wanted to explore for eight weeks. We began last week uh, about this and so kind of stuff Christians do. Uh, some of it, uh, other religious traditions also do, but we're talking about the Christian tradition, <clears throat> those who seek to follow Jesus. Uh, last week, we did a bit of an overview of, of the whole series, like why we're even doing this. Why are we talking about why do we pray and gather and take communion and serve and give and preach and teach? And why do we baptize? And even the concept of why do we have this Bible that we sometimes carry around? Sometimes we hit people over the head with it, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking, not literally. But, you know, why do we have all these things? And, and so we started off with a very fundamental proposition last week that was this, that everything that we do, everything that we have in this Christian tradition, everything that we do as a result of it, it comes out of worship. It's the concept that people throughout time have, have encountered God in some way. And in the Christian story, they have encountered in the living Jesus Christ, either on the earth when he was here or through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been stopped short in our lives. Something has stopped us. We have, God has initiated this in us and we have responded through worship. And as people have gathered together, we, we've started to uh, express this in a, in a multitude of ways. He talked about a lot of it comes from scripture and many other reasons why we do this. But it all starts with what God has initiated and all that we do is now a response to that and a response that we hope will will travel. It's a testimony. So we started last week with why do we gather? Why do we even gather uh, as church? Uh, And there was three points. One was the first to testify to God in our midst. And we referred to this scripture over here. We share with you what we have seen and heard so that you also might have fellowship with us and with God in Christ and together make our joy complete. That was what we focused on last week. The first to testify to God in our midst. What have we seen and what have we heard? Be curious, be looking, listening, and sharing. The second thing was to embrace the reality of our human condition, that we were not made to be alone. And and that is both a vertical and a horizontal relationship with God and always with other people. Everything that we do starts with the fact that we are not solely individuals. We have a responsibility for one another and a privilege and and a and, a, and it's a healthy thing to connect and, and join together. So the third thing was to promote joy, which may seem unusual that churches promote joy. When I was a kid, I thought it was to promote boredom and uh, fidgeting or maybe giggling in the Sunday school class where you got like, giggles and you couldn't stop and it's this guy glaring at you. Um, to promote joy, if we are sharing what we've seen and heard and we are, we're growing in this uh, human situation of relationship with God and one another, we will increase in joy, regardless of our circumstances, and we want to share that. Um, and not just on Sundays. Gatherings not just on Sundays. Uh, yesterday, the work day, as far as I'm concerned, it did all these things. What we'd seen and heard, we had lots of conversations. Uh, we were uh, doing this vertical and horizontal of relationship, and it was a joyful time. The women's tea, I think, was the same thing. Gathering. Uh, San Dimas High School, we had a bunch of kids, 30 kids or so came from the connection with iced coffee on Thursday. We coaxed them into the building. Um, I actually watched on the ring camera a couple of kids, a couple of punky goth kids that I've kind of made some friendships with. 
humming and hawing, coming to the door and then turning around and, and not sure where they're coming. It's kind of scary walking into a church, right, if you don't do that. But they came. It was a gathering. There was joy. Um, and then, you know, Bible study group at Charter Oak, the pantry, the garden, coffee in the courtyard, same thing. So we gather, then we scatter, and we take the joy with us. So today we're doing Why Do We Sing? That's why I have a guitar wrapped around my neck, because it seemed to make sense since I play music to talk and we'd sing together. Does that make sense? You up for that? So we're not going to cover all that could be said about singing. I mean, you could do a year plus on just this subject alone. So much. But we're going to just kind of scratch the surface. So what is singing? Let's start with a fundamental question. Well, according to Buddy the Elf... It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. Remember that? Wikipedia has a bit more of an objective opinion. Uh, singing is the act of producing musical sounds with the voice and augments regular speech by the use of both tonality and rhythm. Give us some tonality, Maddie. <laughs> she didn't expect that. Ronna, give us some rhythm. <laughs> Even better. Okay, but so that's what singing is by a technical definition. But as in many things human, a technical, defi technical, technical definition doesn't get maybe to the heart of what singing is. Uh, we know it's more than just technique or biology or the science of sound waves. How does it feel to sing or to listen to others singing? We know that it is much more than the speech and activity through which human hearts can express deep longings uh, and joys and sorrows. So therefore, it's not surprising that singing is very well suited to spiritual expression and a spiritual life. Uh, and therefore, every major world religion has some form of singing in its traditions and practices. And our faith, the Christian tradition, is particularly rich in song. Think about it for those who are familiar at all with the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and, and maybe just your experience of church. Uh, the Word of God is filled with singing and teaching about singing. Someone calculated it's like over 400 references to song throughout the Old and New Testament and about 25 or 30 direct commands to sing, and both literal and figurative. Last week, we talked about song being a response to the creation. Uh, in the book of Job in the Old Testament, God says to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? God initiated something and, and song seems somehow to be part of the response. And then you get to the Psalms. It's the longest book in the entire Bible and it's all music. That's why so many of them at the beginning, it says a Psalm of David to the tune of, it actually gives you, we don't know what those tunes are anymore. But originally, they were, they were part of a worshiping community singing. A Jewish man, Jesus, singing was part of his entire life. He would be very familiar with the songs of his people. And then you get to the end of the Bible, and maybe not so much the end, but actually what is a new beginning. Uh, in Revelation, it says, all the heavenly creatures, John has this vision of, of heaven, and all the heavenly creatures are singing a song to Christ, and all the saints are singing and he says, I saw in heaven, they sang the song, great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. So we got songs at the start, we got songs at the end or the new beginning, and we are called to raise a song whilst here in the middle. It seems that singing is a vital part of our faith. That's maybe bad news for some of us who don't like to sing or don't feel very good at it. Go really quiet. 
My friend, um, he compared himself to a bagpipe drone. He has one note. He just sings that one note. Luckily, sometimes the note's in the right key, and it sounds pretty cool. But it's actually really not about that. It is something that we're all called to do. Not everyone has a calling, perhaps, to say to preach, for example, right? But we're all share, called to share some kind of testimony. You know, be open to just sharing. That's all this really is, is looking at God and pointing people in that direction, okay? So we're all called to do some form of that. So we may not be the best singers in the world or really particularly enjoy it, but it's something that is part of our faith. So it's not about being professional, but it's about professing something, and we can all do that. So the first thing you notice is the necessity of singing. Uh, we sing because it is commanded. Um, we don't sing in our gatherings because we enjoy it, although many of us do. We don't sing in our gatherings because we've always done it, though it seems we have. We don't sing in our gatherings because everyone else is doing it, although they mostly are. We sing because God has called us to do so. So therefore, there must be some benefit. If a loving God calls us to sing, then thinking again about this relationship with God and this relationship with others, there must be some dynamics that make this happen, that uh, promote and encourage and, and develop these relationships through song. So the first thing, let's get fundamental. We sing to worship God. We sing. It's a vehicle to express something about the God whom we have seen, encountered, and now we respond to. That's why often people complain sometimes in some of our modern services that we start the service with lots of singing. And I, someone once said to me, you know, we start responding and we've not necessarily heard anything. So I think it's always good to have some scripture perhaps at the beginning so we hear from God's word and then we sing in response. This is supposed to be a, a, a dialogue, right? We have this gathering and we hear from God either through the word or whatever we're doing and then we sing in response to what we've seen. Um, St. Augustine apparently said this, although it's hard to know. People argue about the dumbest things online, man. I've seen like this huge website, people arguing whether he actually said this or not. I don't care if he said it. He's, um, it's pretty cool. He said this, when we sing, we pray twice. Something about, this is not like just speaking. When we pray and we engage this heart, mind, body, human expression, it's almost like we pray twice when we sing truth about God. I went to an Orthodox church, church once. I was required to go to different traditions for seminary for a class. And one of them I went to was at about 5.30 in the morning, and it was an Orthodox church. And it was so beautiful. It was a very dark, dimly lit sanctuary with candles, with their icons. And the service, they start like 15 minutes before the starting time because they're preparing them, themselves. And the entire liturgy was sung from start to finish. All the scripture were sung. All the responses were sung. And I sat there not knowing the, the map, but feeling very welcome. And I actually recorded it on my phone. It's beautiful singing. Um, there's something about singing is, as a way to engage our imaginations about God. And perhaps our curiosity about God that merely uh, written words cannot. I was actually in our staff meeting. I've been asking the staff, why do we do this? Like last week I said to them, why do we gather this week I said, why do we sing? I'm going to call you out, Nancy. One of our staff members, uh, Nancy, said this, I think is really instructive, that she said, you know when you read lyrics on a page, they just seem kind of flat, but when you hear them sung, 
while you sing them, they take on this whole new sense of meaning. There's something there about using song to worship God. The second thing is, so it's a great way to engage our imaginations, our curiosity, our hearts, but also it's a wonderful way to learn and remember. That is why it's important what we sing. I don't know about you, but you know, I don't remember about, a lot about my sermons you know, through the week, nor do I listen, remember often sermons that I've heard, unless it's a funny story about a kid who did something dumb, I'll remember that part. But I always remember the songs. I find myself humming them all week long. And it can be so wonderful to have this sense that you're remembering and learning about, about music. So that's the first thing. It's a wonderful vehicle by which to praise God. The second thing, we sing to reinforce our community. So here's the horizontal, to reinforce our community. Um, on Mondays, it's my day off officially, and I always watch a soccer game. And one of the things that's just remarkable to me is how these people can keep singing for a full 90 plus minutes, as loud as they do. Uh, when the pandemic was on, there was no crowds allowed in the soccer games. It was the most weird, chilling, amazing thing to hear no singing at all. Just the occasional cuss word from one of the players if they got too near a microphone. But no singing in the stadium, right? Uh, I was invited to a game on, uh, last night at the LA place. I couldn't go. But I was kind of bummed. But I was thinking about, you know, that would be exciting to be there and hear all these people sing. Billie Eilish. Did anyone go see Billie Eilish recently on the tour? The Madranas aren't here, are they? My wife and daughter went. I saw some videos. It's almost like the Beatles. You can't hear her sing hardly because everyone's singing along. But isn't it a wonderful experience where we're all singing together? It's such a sense of togetherness and common purpose and uh, uh, doing that together. And that's something that can happen here too. When we lift up praises, you know, there's something about the concept of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why we can say God is love. There's always been this, um, these persons of the Trinity being one God, but yet there's a loving relationship and, and it seems that there's, there's worship happening within that. And we're invited into that. So when we gather together and lift our, word, our, our hearts in praise, it strengthens our connection. That's why we try not to do too many new songs all the time. We want our people to know the songs. So we don't always have to be looking at the screen. We could be thinking about our neighbors and people around us and people that we know and how these words connect with us and with them. It deepens our connections. That's what Jesus did, you know, when he went out after Lord's Supper, you know, with his friends. And then it says in uh, Matthew 26, when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And it's kind of something we do here. We gather, we, we strengthen our connections, and then we, of course, we scatter out into the community. But we sing. In, in the in letter to the Ephesians, Paul said, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to invite my wonderful friend Darren Bachman to come up and help us with this. We're going to do this very thing, okay? We're going to sing some words, I hope are familiar, to God together. And we're going to do it in rounds, okay? Can we stand up, actually? Because singing, my choir teacher when I was in high school said, you cannot sing seated. You must stand up. You know, so Melody is going to help me also. So I'm going to sing it one time, and then you're going to follow your leader. And I think what we need to do is, Darren, you need to take this group and this group, perhaps. Or how about you guys choose who you want to go with? I'm, taking, I'm definitely taking this handsome, beautiful bunch here. 
and maybe a sliver of this bit here. But you can pick, Darren or me, up to you. But you guys are definitely with Darren. You guys are definitely with Melody. I'm going to sing it one time, and then Darren will have a pause, and Darren will start us. And we'll hopefully lead strongly enough that you can follow us, okay? <laughs> Here's how it goes. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. So we're going to do that whole thing twice. Father, Jesus, Spirit. Father, Jesus, Spirit. But we're going to do it staggered. So watch me for when to start. Watch Melody when to start. Are we ready? <laughs> Father, we adore you. sit down again. That was beautiful. Did you know you could sound so good? So we praise God. We deepen our connections. That felt good, didn't it? To sing together. The third thing is uh, we sing to express the deep things of our human experience. We talked about the heart and how it, it, it connects. I mean, it, you guys know, like, when you were a teenager and you got your heart broken, what was the first thing you did? Apart from seek revenge, <laughs> you'd like tune in the radio or you play a song. And isn't it funny that often when you feel the most down, you find the saddest possible song and you bawl your eyes out. You don't listen to happy songs. You're like, I want misery to love my, have my company and love it, right? So I think it's the same way for us. It's, it's, it's an expression of all the ranges of human experience and song is a wonderful way to do it. Uh, ben and Ellie are dear, dear friends. And um, there's an empty keyboard here this morning because some of you know Ben had a real issue with his breathing. Uh, 
there on Thursday and um, is admitted to hospital where he's discovered he had 56% blood oxygen level, very serious. So he is still in there now, it's, so please be, be praying for him. But, but, but Ellie also, she was going to sing this morning. Maddie stepped in, she just showed up this morning and said, hey, Ben and Ellie, I know they're having some challenges. I just showed up, do you need me? I'm like, man, you, you rock, girl. So thanks, Maddie. But um, Ben and Ellie, they're really bummed to miss this because they are people who passionately love music. And we love Ben and Ellie and the way they lead us in worship with such honesty and vulnerability and humility. Uh, so I, but I texted them just wanting to be sure they didn't add that burden of feeling bad because they were meant to be playing today and we're going to work on this stuff together. Uh, so I said, hey, Ellie, you know, I'm, I imagine you guys, you know, feel free, don't worry about it. You know, we'll cover it. It'll be good. And so Ellie texted me back and said this, said, thank you, Pastor. I'm assuming not as well. Although definitely feeling the power of singing this weekend, I didn't have words or mental capacity to pray specifics, so I sang. Familiar words, true words, comforting words. Something to add to your sermon if you'd like. I'm not turning that one down. But Ben's excited to listen to this. So can we all, after count of three, say, we love you, Ben and Ellie? Ready? One, two, three. We love you, Ben and Ellie. And Andy. And Andy the dog. Don't forget Andy. You know, there's a reason why David and many others composed the Psalms as songs. Where do we go in Scripture when things are difficult? We go to the Psalms to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Or to say, oh, I, I've been the miry pit. Lord, lift me up. Save me. Um, songs of lament. It's singing all of the Psalms, as we said. You know, this, the Psalms are full of what we've talked about, of disorientation. Okay? And then and this moment of turning towards reorientation or new orientation. It seems to often come through this process of imaginative, singing to God, but honesty, brutal honesty. I see no future, I see no hope, but yeah, I will trust in you. Jesus, from the cross, used a psalm to express his pain and sorrow. He said, it says in Mark chapter 15, at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? weird he he this is a song like imagine he it says he cried out imagine he sang it imagine he wailed it he lamented and he called out those words in his mother tongue his language to god it's powerful paul and silas were arrested in philippi on their travels they were they were not doing bad things but when the gospel shows up in town it can cause trouble they got into all good kinds of trouble but they were arrested and it says um that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So what about us right now? Is there a song that needs to be sung from your current place? Uh, we're going to sing again. You know, one thing about choosing songs, you're sometimes putting words in people's mouths. Um, but I always think if, if we're singing a song that is an expression of lament, even if, if we're currently in a place of goodness and orientation, things seem good, we can sing on behalf of those around us who are not. We join their voices in sympathy, in empathy even, with them. So we're going to sing this song. Uh, it's based on Psalm 62. Um, you can remain seated for this one. Um, and we'll sing together.
pretty much straight from Psalm 62, where the psalmist says, he, he realizes his condition, and he's telling himself, hey, soul, trust in me. Trust in God. He has not abandoned you. in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken, though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, I'll fix my heart on righteousness, I'll look to him who
back to the first verse again. Just to the first few lines. My soul finds rest in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. So lastly, thinking about this, I think also singing is actually a form of protest. Let me explain. Um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said in a, in a speech, National Cathedral, March 31st, 1968, and he borrowed this from somebody else. There's nothing new under the sun, but he said, we shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He's saying that we see so much evil, we see so much cruelty, we see so, so much brokenness, but there is a truth about this creation, and there is a God who oversees, who is sovereign, who bends toward justice. And so every movement for justice has used songs. Uh, they, they, they bring common purpose, and, and people sing, and some of the early black gospel songs came from places of horrific suffering, uh, but these people identified uh, with times when God's people were under tremendous burdens, oppression, suffering, and they, and they took those kind of ideas as their own. This old song, when Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go, oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go, go down Moses, way down in Egypt's land, tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. This, is a, this may not may be something new to you, you know, but our, our faith tradition has a long history, biblically, of song as declaring what is true over and above what you would see with your eyes to perhaps be truer, that there is no hope, that the darkness is greater, that the, the wicked always prosper. And Miriam, after the Egyptians were, were prevented from preventing the people of God from going out into the land and into the wilderness. Miriam, on the other side of the sea, raises a song with Moses, and it says, the Moses and Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. And then Mary, this little teenage girl, this, this disturbing news that she is to be the the one who will bear this Savior into the world. She simply says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And then there's a song. Uh, we call the Magnificat. You guys heard this song before? It's quite a radical song. It is the longest continuous speech by any woman in the Bible. And listen to what the content is. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a martyred pastor in Nazi Germany, described this as the most passionate, the wildest, one might say even the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. What I love about what Mary said is she says it in the present tense. He has done this. He has done this. Not, I hope, or he may, or, you know, if all things work out well, he says he has done this. With the birth of Jesus, the story was coming to a good place and nothing could stop it. And we, you know, I know in the daily existence, we see what's happening in our world and the, and the horrible things that are happening. And we, against the darkness, we sing out what we believe to be true as a form of protest about that which dehumanizes people, drags them down, that tells them they're not important, they don't matter. There is no God, there is no hope. Silas and Paul again, Philippi in prison, that's what they did, right? They were arrested. But they were praying and singing hymns to God and all the other prisoners were listening to them. Imagine being in a first century prison. You know, we think it's bad now. And they sat there in their chains and they sang hymns to God. They had no right to sing hymns of praise. What's going on, Paul? You're done. Wow, look at this. Really going well. All going to plan. You're stuck in a jail. But they knew that there was a God who was faithful and they sang out. And the other prisoners were listening to them. It's a protest. No, I will not settle for this. This is not the way it's always going to be. You know, a new song on the lawn, we were out on the lawn, I think it was one of the most powerful things about being out there is we're singing these songs of praise in public. You know, no hot rod was going to shut us down. And then the one time, though, who is it told me about it? Said, hey, there's someone from the condo that's going to come over to speak to us. And I'm thinking he's going to come and say, hey, what must I do to be saved? And he came and said, hey, my windows are open. It's Sunday morning. Could you please turn the sound down? <laughs> but we did. We, we adjusted. And he never came back to complain. So it was good. Bob, his name is, by the way. <laughs> I'll never forget Bob. But, you know, it's a testimony. It's public. Um, because this world needs hope. We sing as a form of protest. But here's the thing, what is imp important to realize, some of these Old Testament passages, they're songs about real enemies, human enemies. It's pretty legitimate. They were, they were under a lot of pressure. You know, Jesus gives us new songs to sing, right? Jesus that said, love your enemies. We want to sing with those who would set themselves up as our enemies. We, we don't sing songs about people and how awful and terrible they are in that way. We, we sing with an expectation and hope that they might encounter this God who loves them. Jesus writes us new songs, but there's still a protest about this, the powers of darkness. We do have an enemy, and we, so we sing. We're not the only ones watching ourselves. There is, a, there is a world. There is a spiritual world, and when human beings made in God's image declare that against all the deception and lies, there is a God, and we are his, and he is ours, and we, trust, we will trust in him, you know, it's really powerful as a form of spiritual warfare. Mary Slessor, who was actually from my hometown, she lived for a time in Dundee. She was a missionary to Nigeria way back in the day. And she said this, I sing the doxology and dismiss the devil. I sing the doxology and dismiss the devil. So we're going to sing again. And we're going to ask you to stand up this time that's okay. Except the mothers don't need to stand up. 
mothers need this fact. Yeah, all the women need to sit down and they will have their feet massaged by, the, by their significant other. So against the darkness, against all that would say that there's no hope, we're going to sing this song, two things, there is no greater love than his, and he is everywhere. He is everywhere. Finally, just say before we come to communion to respond, and Melody's going to lead us this morning in our time of communion. That um, this is actually from lyrics by a, by a, an artist, a musician, 
um, it's that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. You know, we could take all the singing away or do the simplest singing. The most profoundly moving worship service that I've ever been to was in the middle of eastern Washington, this tiny, tiny church. I was traveling with my parents and we're like, okay, which church do we go to? It's always a risk, you know, you never know. Went to this place and there's probably about 25, 30 people. Um, came time for a time of singing. The pastor pulled out this little set of bongo drums and, and squatted down on a stool. And this cowboy guy came up with his guitar and we sang a bunch of old gospel songs. And my mom, my dad, and I were just like moved by the heartfelt worship of these people. So this is uh, really what it's about at the end of the day. So we bring our hearts by whatever means we do it, however good our, our, our singing is, and we express what God is birthing inside of us. Uh, and we are healed in the process. I was um, trying to think of what to say during communion and um, what really could I say about our hearts? What really could I say that would express the proper um, posture that we take when we take communion? Because when we take communion, we, we remember these things. We, we say, he has done this for us. He has done this for us. And it's, I'm just taking words right out of your sermon. Uh, it's just when we realize our condition of our heart. And there is no hiding that. There is no hiding that. And so may I sing a song as we leave communion? Can Absolutely. you sing it with me? And you, know, you probably know it. It says, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. That's what I kept hearing in my head. Sing this song, sing this song, because there is nothing that I can say. There is nothing that I can do that is worthy of such a wonderful and giving, patient, loving God. And when we do communion, it is, it is about our heart. And I have nothing in my heart other than just who I am. And he knows everything about me. He knows all the things I struggle with. He knows all the thoughts in my mind. He knows everything. But yet he says, I broke my body for you. I've shed my blood for you. So all I can say is, God, here I am to worship. Here I am, and I bow down, and I say that you are my God. And thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're going to take communion now, and we have a few stations. We're going to be up here. Chris, my husband, and I are going to be up here. Uh, Peter and Fuzz are going to be in the back. And we are going to just offer you the same body and the same blood that was shed for all of us, for all our hearts. Because Jesus sees it all. And he just wants to deepen his connection with you. Deepen our connection to each other. Would you join us in this form of worship? 
If you would come down the aisles or go around the side, we will get everybody. If you've already taken it on your own, that is quite all right. Um, I'm just going to offer a prayer this morning. Lord, thank you uh, just, God, because you just uh, look at our hearts, and that's all you want, actually. And you just say, I have done this for you. Look to me. Here's my body, and I broke it for you. And Lord, we remember that this morning. We say thank you. Let's take the bread. And Lord, your blood shed for us. 
And God, we have nothing, no words, nothing to ever say, quite express. How much, how grateful we are, God, how much we, we thank you, God. There's nothing we could ever do, could ever say, but you didn't ask that in return. You did it. You said, I have done this for you. God, thank you. Would you take our hearts this morning? Thank you, God. We offer you our hearts this morning as we continue in worship. Amen.
let's just take a few minutes just to be still, just process this. Sometimes I feel we rush into final announcements and a blessing. Let's just take a moment just to be here. couple of little things to end. Uh, please, moms and uh, significant women in our lives, all of you are, my friends, um, hang. There's a photo booth to take pictures, and there's more goodies and things to grab. One other thing, we have had the pleasure of uh, helping San Dimas High School with their testing right here in this room. I walked in during the week, and I got this like PTSD from being in high school. <laughs> and looking at like the clock and the guy standing there sternly and the rows of tables. Um, but we get to do this. But So they put all these chairs back again this week. So we're going to do them in stacks of eight if you were willing to help against the wall so they can put their setup again this coming week for testing. We have a couple of um, furniture dollies. We'd rather use that rather than drag them across the carpet because it, it could tear chunks in it. So stacks of eight and then people will start moving them with the dollies. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whom we worship. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.